Hello and a very warm welcome to this week's Super 6 podcast. We are back. Biohack Infirma, Laura Woods. I'm very excited. How are you? Yo, I'm good, man. How are you, LW? How are you? Oh, I sound, you sound excited. What's good with you? I don't know. Do you know when sometimes you just wake up in a really good mood and you're happy and you're like, ah. You're like, when was the last time that happened to me? Yeah, I know. You know them ones. That's like, my ones is when I wake up and feel like, oh man, I feel young. I haven't had that in a while. But I know know that energy when you just, nah man, it's good vibes. Give me a rough idea of the age you think that you are feeling when you wake up these days. Oh, depends. Like, after a game, I ain't going to lie, 57. Like, I kid you not. And I don't want to knock on no 57-year-olds because there could be some fit 57-year-olds out there, you know. Day after a game, I kid you not. I'm like, ooh. And then there's times, like, when I wake up and, you know, I feel sprightly. I'm like, ooh. You know, like, everybody knows, like, the first thing you kind of do when you wake up is you go on... You go to the, the toilet. That's the first thing you do in it, sort of thing. Like, that's what I'm just trying to say. So, you know, that walk from the bed to the toilet determines how my kind of body feels. So, there's times I walk to the toilet, I'm thinking, oh, I feel 21. And then there's times I'm like, oh, 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 oh. Jesus, take the wheel, sort of thing. So, <laughs> the toilet's double the distance away that you used to be. I'm telling you, it's crazy. I swear down. But yeah. Um, it just depends. It depends. Day after a game or normal. But I got to ask, watched your game on Monday night against Spurs and for 87 minutes, it was just brilliant. I just thought you guys were amazing. I love seeing you come off the bench. I loved seeing your team put up such a fight against a Spurs team that had Gareth Bale in it, for God's sake. Um, yeah. Taking the lead, first of all. What was it like? You know what? It's different because, and I remember I've, I've done interviews since and of course, where I am in my career, I guess I get to afterwards I get to take it in for what it is I mean on the pitch listen there's no crowd I thought we was going to do it you know it was 87 minutes I was like oh, you know what Gaffer when I went on Gaffer's like B have you got extra time in you and I just give him a look I was like oh but that's what we kind of thought we was like look it's it's a tight game yeah. and it's the FA Cup and then it was just a crazy five minutes from us but it's funny because you asked me last week you said listen well they're not training be a good or a bad thing and I guess for 87 minutes it was a good thing but you can just see we ran out of legs the last five minutes we ran out of legs and you know no excuses the day before the game it snowed we got snowed in so we couldn't train so you know little things like that which kind of just played its part but overall you know we we take that experience listen uh, if the game was 85 minutes we would have been in a much better place but it's not so all in all, we, the boys acquitted themselves very well. Um, and I guess we take clout from they had to bring in the big boys. They had, to, they had to bring in the big boys to see us through. So all in all, listen, it was it was an experience. I very much enjoyed some of the memes that were going around after the game and during the game, in fact. Um, there was one that went out and said, you can bleep bleep mark him. And it's Pierre-Emil Hoiberg to your left and Toby Adevira to your right. And they're both looking at each other with you in the middle as if to say, no, no, I'm not doing it. And there's another <laughs> one with you looking at Son going, how much do you bench, bro? And <laughs> Son's got his hands on his head. Um, there were some amazing ones. I think even Spurs tweeted out, didn't they? Yeah. With a picture of you with Jose Mourinho having a chat after the game. What did it say again? Um, the boss Meets and the, the beast. beast or something like that. He said the boss and the beast and something like What did he say to you? You know what? I, I actually tweeted saying, listen, I'm 38 and there's still moments in this game which is so humbling. And that was one of them. You know, it, it's funny because I always say this. This is the highest I've played at the age of 38. I feel like my life's a box. So I don't feel like it it goes out to the masses. And, you know, Jose Mourinho's the elite. Like, he's the elite. And at halftime, he came up to me. He said, big man, what's wrong with the knee? I said, oh, you know what? I'm struggling. He goes, yeah, yeah, listen, I know. He goes, you're going to continue to play on? I goes, that's the plan. That's the plan. I'm going to try and make it to 40, you know. It, then he I goes, you know, I've give this game. He goes, let me stop you there. I know you give this game 20 years. He said, what are you going to do afterwards? Go into management or go into media? I said, listen, I've, management, I don't think it's for me. He goes, media's good. He's like, I like the profile you've built up, you've built for yourself. Um, he's like, oh, I've told my players about you. And like, I'm looking at this guy and it, it's funny because I keep saying this to many people about, because we're footballers, I think some people feel like we can't turn into fans. So he's talking to me and I'm thinking, wait, hold on. Like, this guy has managed 
everybody, like the best and the best. And for me, call it him doing his research prior to the game, but he went away from football. So it wasn't like he was doing tactics and saying, oh, he likes to pin to the back post or he's talking about my profile. So I was just looking at him and I was like, listen, I ain't going to lie. Look, bruv, you, you the man, yeah, you the man. But anyway, so this was just at half time. So I was like, listen, I'm going to go warm up. He said, all the best. And then after that, he came up to me at the end of the game. And then he was like, look, whatever you decide to do, I know you can do it. I back you. My players couldn't handle you. I was like, what? You must be talking about the other striker. I only played 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, so that's what I bantered back to him. I was like, don't mix us up. It was it was my strike. It's it it my project day that they couldn't <laughs> handle. And he was like, no, no, come on, big man. I was like, no, nah, listen, you know what? Humbling. And so that's what it was for me. It was just mm. interacting with people who I feel like the elite and just talking as my peers. So for myself, it was humbling, man. It's what's a little bit different about Josie, isn't it? That he's always understood the realm outside of the game as well and the influence socially and online and all that sort of stuff that comes into play with it. I've always thought he's very clever at that. Even when he went and did punditry himself, he gets what's good. He understands PR as well. I love that he's done his research in you. I think that's amazing. And I love that he took the time to go and say that to you. That, for me, it was, it, I've, I've said it, I've, I've, I've been, and even for like the aftermath, you know, with Tottenham tweeting me, Tottenham put me on it, all, the whole aftermath. And I, I keep saying, look, and I've said this, look, I will enjoy especially the last stages that, you know, the the win, lose, the draws. And like, don't get it twisted. I'm a competitor. So on the pitch, you heard me when we went 2-1 down. I was like, look, we can get back in it. 3-1 down. I'm like, boys, let's not make it a route because it doesn't reflect on how the game was. So and when I went into the changing room with the boys, don't get it twisted. I'm angry. You know, I'm like, no, boys, look, this and that. And we can't capitulate. It doesn't matter who it is. So that's the competitive element of it. But of course, then you get to sit back and the emotions and the adrenaline kind of seeps out and then you take it for what it is and even the aftermath you're like look we acquitted ourselves and we take the positives and that's what I think you've got to do in life take the positives because we've got 23 cup finals coming up but even now I'm going to enjoy the moments the aftermaths the the memes you know <laughs> uh, even the, the the interaction between me and Son it's like I'm looking at Son I'm like you're one of the best players in the Prem and you're conversating saying you like the way I play it that's just, what he said yeah, it's, it's for myself, it's very, very humbling and mind-boggling for these players who are the elite to say, oh, yeah, man, man, we see you, big man. That, for me, is what I'm like, because I'm in a place of my career where I can take it in, you know what I'm saying, and be like, yeah, you know what, I've, I've done most of the things I want to do in my career, so these are the times where, you know what, I am going to take in these moments. So for myself, listen, it was... It was good. And even the banter between Hoiberg and uh, Radovero, it was because they had just dealt, they had to deal with my guy for 65, Ooch. They had to deal with him for 65 minutes. So then to see me coming on, I could see their faces. <laughs> and then, so Hoiberg's like, listen, I don't know if I should stand on his toes. And Radovero was telling to cut. It was for myself. I'm just there like in between laughing. Like, it was... So for me, I, listen, I took it in. By the last five minutes, listen, I, I took it in. Even though it was retirement weather, I still took it in. Mm, absolutely. Listen, well done to all your lot. I thought it was amazing. And I just loved, again, I love seeing Gareth on the sidelines. I love seeing him next to Jose. I just thought all around it was um, it was a brilliant night. Disappointed, obviously, for you with the scoreline. Yeah. But hey, yeah. it, was a, it was amazing in the end. So um, listen, Wickham obviously booked their place in the Championship this season. And one that booked their place in the Premier League and left the Championship is, of course, Leeds and I imagine that there are a lot of Leeds fans that will love our guest today. I'm quite excited about this. I know that we've got a lot of Leeds fans that listen to this. So we have Liam Cooper coming on their captain. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm gonna need to I'm gonna have to go and lean on him and see what he did to like stay in the in the champ. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm gonna lean on him. I'm looking forward to this. All right, let's go meet him. Predict six correct scores on Super Six this week for a chance to win two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Download the app and play by 3pm on Saturday. Head to skysports.com forward slash super six for more details. Okay, let's get into it then. Our guest this week is, of course, the Leeds captain, Liam Cooper. Absolutely delighted to say he's joining us now. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Yo, what's going on, Coop? It's been a long time coming and finally we're here, so 
All good. Well, Liam, we've been trying to book you every week, but they're always like he's busy, he's doing other things, he's got other podcasts to go on to, other interviews. You're in the Premier League, you're big time. It's okay, Coops. I'll never forget my roots, mate, from League Two. You know what? Bayer was just saying, actually, he wants a few um, tips from you about just how to handle life in the gruelling league that is the Championship. Have you got any off the cuff for him? Talk to me, Coops. Talk to me, Coops. It's so tough, man. I, uh, I miss it. I do. I miss the games. I miss how demanding it is. Um, Obviously, the Premier League is the best league in the world, but I think being in the Championship and the quality in the Championship and how unforgiving it is and how many games there is, I think it, it tests you in so many ways. You learn so much about yourself as as a person and as a team. And once you can ground two or three or four results out, it puts you in, in a much better place, no matter where you are in the league. And I think that's it, um, being, being consistent and, and picking up those those wins of three, four, five games and and see where what say see where you end up. But no, it's it's such an unbelievable league and a league I look back on very fondly. It was it was amazing for me. Alright, so I know you said like four or five wins. We're not there right now, yeah. So we've only got the two at the moment. So be easy. So when we get to the five, I'll be overly happy. But you know, it's funny that you say that because listen, I've reached the, the champ at thirty eight. I guess the world knows that. <laughs> and I actually didn't I didn't realise how demanding. I mean, listen, there's a lot of games in the lower leagues. I get that. And what I found, it's funny because I found in both, between both boxes, it's pretty much the same as League One in the sense where, you know, you've got to be competitive. You've got to have energy, but it is so unforgiving in the box. And I know that's, sorry, in both boxes. And I know that's pretty easy to say, but you make one mistake and it's punished. You're punished, completely punished. And you need to create the other way, make the the one chance to score. And where we are at the moment, the chances are not as frequent as we're yeah. used to. And that's what I'm finding in this league, how unforgiving it is. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, definitely. I've, I've found the step up from, from League One, um, League One and League Two to the champ, very, very different. Um, like you said, it is a lot more unforgiving. And I think the higher up your step, that it, even, it gets even worse. But I think, I, I think, you let your lens, like I said, so much about yourselves. It's it's so difficult to put them runs together. But as a team and, and and obviously as individuals, I think the highs are high and the lows are low. And you, especially like like yourselves, who are obviously in a bit of relegation battle, you've just got to stick at it, try and improve every single day, and um, just just all be in it together. I know I know it's, it can be difficult because, like you said, it, it is so unforgiving. But Stick at it, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm sure your boys will stay up. There we go. I want to ask you about the step up. We've talked about League One to the Championship. Now you've done it to the Premier League. 16-year wait. Every Leeds fan really felt that. And I think everyone that isn't a Leeds fan really understood what that meant to them when it happened because the celebrations were just incredible. And it was um, from a, a neutral perspective. I really liked seeing it. And I think a lot of people were willing Leeds to come back up because the size of your fan base. And because actually the football that you were playing under Marcelo Bielsa was really good to watch. You've brought it into the Premier League now. How different is it and how different was it? I mean, it was like a, a baptism of fire against Liverpool, wasn't it? It really was. And I was gutted to miss that game of injury. I returned from international to it with a bit of an injury. And as, as a Leeds fan, I've I've always, it's always been my dream to, to captain my club in the Premier League. And I had to wait a little bit longer for that in probably one of the biggest games of the season, going away to the Champions. And yeah, I was, I was starved of that. But going back to the celebrations and how, how long we've been out of the Premier League, it's it's criminal really for a club the size of us to to be out for that long and to be to be part of the team and and, and the group. But what what managed to do that and get us back up was it was an unbelievable feeling. We was sort of starved of that that moment of the fans celebrating with us was sort of taken away. Um, but I thought we celebrated the best we could in the circumstances and. Obviously, it'll go down in history as well, obviously, getting promoted in, in a pandemic. So you can take the positives, but now we're, we're finally back where we belong. Um, absolutely delighted and just in, enjoying the moment. Um, as a kid, I think Bayer will tell you, all you do is dream of dream of playing at the highest level you can. And I'm, I'm, I'm just riding that wave now as, as our other lads. We're sort of learning on the job. It's going to be difficult. We, we understand that, but... And um, we're going all right at the minute and long may it continue. I want to take you back to the beginning part of Leeds. Like you mentioned, you when you came in, it was a bit of a difficult period. So David Hockaday was the manager. It was owned by Massimo Cellino. And it was perhaps, is chaotic uh, the right phrase or the right word to use about the time, the period that you joined? No, it was, yeah. Um, 
I remember my first day there at the training ground. Me and Billy Sharp had just signed on the same day, and I've gone in, and obviously I know a few of the lads. I won't mention any names, and and they've, they've looked at me, and I've sat down, and they've gone, "Coops, what have you done?" And I'm thinking, "Oh my god, I've just got to move to to the club I've always supported as a boy, and it's it's an absolute dream come true for me." And and to hear that on the first day, you think, "Oh, here we go. What is going on?" Um, yeah, it was. It was difficult. Just simple things, and and I know. Obviously, people might frown upon this, but um, when you're you used to getting your kit washed every single day and stuff like that, there was food at the training ground. There was none of that. We was taking water bottles to training. And when when, when you come from, from League One and League Two, you, you're used to these kind of things. So it, it's nothing different. But then you have other, other players who are used to championship level and Premier League level and they don't go for anything. And, and I think people struggle to adjust to that. Um, so, yeah, it was it was difficult. We had a lot of players come in from from overseas and maybe didn't get up to to the um, with the language barrier and things. I it was a hard period, and the fans let us know as they always do. And and yeah, it was tough times. But no, I think tough times don't last, and tough people do. And uh, we came out the end of it. Andrea came in, hired Marcelo, and uh, we've never looked back. The last two and a half three years have, have been unbelievable for me uh, personally and as a team as well. Um, so yeah. Let's move forward now. Coops, how many managers since you've been there? Yeah. Like six years. <laughs> like, I know, I know that as you just just roughly how many managers um have you had since you've been there? And then okay, even if you don't want to touch on it, talk to us about how difficult it is. Because basically you're always starting again. A new manager comes in with new ideas, new philosophy. And as a player that's been there, it feels like you know. You start again. You're just basically buying into one manager. New manager comes in. He's like, okay, I'm going to have to buy into another. Like, tell us how hard that is to be able to deal with it. And then touch on Gary Monk because he was my captain at Swansea. So how did you get on with Gary Monk as well? Yeah, it is difficult. Um, and we all know how volatile the, the, the management game is now. Um, if you don't get instant wins, you, I think I think uh, Pep mentioned it the other day, you don't get a project anymore. It's People want instant success and, and that's what managers are up against. They're going into jobs knowing that now and the pressure's on from the off. So, yeah, it's difficult, but it's difficult for the players as well. You Sometimes you need to build relationships with managers. You need to know the work and, and things like that. And we wasn't getting that chance. It was 10, 12, 15 games and the next one would be in. And, yeah, it is difficult. And especially with social media these days, you, you're getting hammered by the fans, you're getting hammered by the media, the outside world. And, and you've got to deal with that, um, and that was something we was dealing. I was dealing with when I was twenty three, twenty four, and I feel sorry for the kids who are coming through nowadays with the platforms. I never really had that when I was coming through, and I think I'm a bit older now and a bit more mature, and I can tend a blind eye, but I can see how that affects people. But Gary, uh, going back to Gary, Gary Monk. To be fair, it, it, it was it was weird with Gary. I really liked Gary, but I didn't play much. Um, Pontus Janssen and, and Kyle Bartley was playing at the time and we had an unbelievable season that year. We we just missed out on the playoffs. We should, we should have really been in the playoffs. But I didn't really play. But I think that's the most I've ever learnt about myself in a season was was not playing and, and seeing that side of it. How you have got to apply yourself every day and stick at it because when you when someone gets injured, you've got to be in and you've got to be ready to, to be called upon. And yeah, I learnt more about myself in that year of not playing than I think I have in, in any other season. Is it quite easy when you're in that position and, and also when you're experiencing injuries as well, like to to go into yourself and to um, not be as positive as everybody says you should be in that situation? It is. I think it's like anything. As soon as you hear bad news, in, in our case, injuries or illness or things like that, Straight away, you, you feel down. Um, but then I think that's when your dressing room can, can really come into it, your support network. Uh, if these people get around you and, and, and make the, the players a better place to be, you can go in and obviously you're not going to be happy all the time. Everybody's has down days, but when the support network's there and you can you can reach out or have a bit of banter. And a lot, a lot of the time you have different players you can go to at different times. And, and I think that's massive, massive, especially in, in, in our game and, and for people's well-being. We're both footballers and you'll understand this because you mentioned about, you know, falling out of love with football. And I think some fans or people outside don't understand that. They don't understand because they only see the highs of, you know, playing on a Saturday and, you know, listen, I ain't got the money, money, like, you know what I'm saying? But I only feel like, you know, it comes with the prestige and that and they can't understand that you can fall out of love with football. And, you know, you, you touched on that. What was the process you did to 
to kind of fall back in love with football? I think I, I go back to support networks. Um, my dad has been my hero all my life and whenever I've needed a lift or, or a kick up the backside, he's always been the one to give me that, you know what I mean? And he just said, look, son, this is your time now. You need to go and prove yourself again, drop down the leagues, go play men's football and, and prove yourself. Uh, I was very fortunate that I went to a club that, that wanted to play the right way and, and sort of that suited me a lot better. I'm not a centre-half who likes to just lash the ball about or stick it in behind and, and things like that. I like to try and play and, and Paul Cook wanted that from us. So I was very lucky in that that aspect. I don't know, I think I think you go into yourself a little bit and you think, right, it's me against the world now. I'm, I'm going to go get this and prove people wrong. And I'd like to think um, slowly but surely I managed to do that. Yeah, you're tough, man. Don't try and put it down, man. I don't want the smoke. I don't listen. I don't want to get leads in the cup because <laughs> I don't want the smoke with you, Coops. I've seen you, brother. Anyway, listen, don't no, try and say. Sorry, it's a story. Just... Bayo, do you remember when we played at Sixfields and you was at Northampton? Oh, no. Tell me. I, no, I love this. Oh, tell me. Tell me. Oh, Coops, as tell soon me. as I heard I was speaking to you, I thought, I'm going to remind him of this. So God, I'm God. playing, I must be 18, one of my first games for, for Huddersfield at the time I was on loan. And um, I think me and Bayo have gone up and I've gone to do the. I don't know, it's my move kind of thing. I put my leg round and I've kicked Bayo in the face and he's chased me around the pitch for about 20 minutes. No. I, was like, I don't need this. I don't need this. I was 18 years old. I didn't want none of that smoke. Oh, slut. You see, for me, I love all this just because the chances are when we do interviews, I've, I've probably played against everybody, especially if they've come up through the lower leagues. So I love that perception of when I'm, <laughs> when I meet somebody and what people say to me, because I would have done the intimidate, especially because they would have said, look, he's a youngster. So I would have gone to intimidate you. I would have gone to say, all right, cool. Listen, and if he won the first header, I'd have been like, yeah, Coops, I one nil you, Coops, one nil you. And if he had caught me, but you, know, you see the crazy thing is it took me 20 minutes just to get close to him. I couldn't catch him. I don't want this. I, I, I don't want it. Is that how it is, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I see. <laughs> I still say it. <laughs> oh, it's love, my brother. I want to ask you, Liam. I want to ask you about the game. I want to ask you about the Charlton game. So the, the, the 24 hours leading up to it and the decision that some players chose to, to boycott that. Tell us a little bit about what happened there. So Neil Redfern was the manager at the time and um, obviously the, the, he picked the team on the Friday. We'd done the shape and uh, one of the lads had gone down injured. Um, and with that, the team because the team's getting ready to travel and we had another three or four bodies in the, in, in the physio room saying that, saying that was injured, but they'd finished the session. Um, okay. So they, so so in the end, they didn't end up travelling um, and, di- and didn't play. Um, the day before a game, it messes up your your organisation and, okay, and your yeah, team yeah, selection yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it just threw a massive spanner in the works and a lot of respect was lost what was lost that day and um, yeah obviously you're still teammates and you, you see the, I see the good in everybody but it, I just didn't agree My, me personally I've not spoke to other players about it but the the, the, the essential feeling was that it was it was wrong and, and I thought it was because it's something I'd never do and yeah you just got to move on um, I'm glad those days are in the past now and then the club is is going in the right direction. Let's focus on that then. The the club moving in the in the right direction and and pushing for promotion, coming so close the season before, and then finally doing it last season. I saw a tweet actually that you put out saying it was bittersweet because it's like an amazing amazing season. You've finally done it, but obviously, even though there were celebrations, they're kind of muted in a, in a similar sense as well because you kind of don't get to do it with with your fan base. When you were pushing for promotion, and and I suppose the season before last, when you came that close. Did you guys ever lose hope of it? Did you ever have moments where you were like, oh, is this not going to happen? And, and even the years before that? Of course. I think, especially after the, the semi-final and the playoff, the, the devastation of that, it hits you hard. God, my family was walking on eggshells around me for two or three weeks after that. It was tough. I made a mistake in, in the semi-final. And it, it's you just get hammered. You know what's coming. Try to turn it all off and just switch off and, and go away. But it never leaves you. And then after two or three weeks, you, you start to come round a bit. And then obviously the club, we knew the club was go- was going to try and get Marcelo to stay on and, and have another go. And I think Marcelo seen the hurt in us and, and, and the frustration. And I think the reaction of the lads was was a big part of him staying. Um, I think he's seen we, we can go again with a few additions and, and we can go and, and, and do what we started. And we managed to do that in a global pandemic, like he said. And... Yeah, it was like it was very bittersweet, but 
nonetheless a, a great experience, uh, one I'll never ever forget, and yeah, probably the best year I've had in in, in my life in football, definitely. There's a few things I want to ask in it. One, how do you lot deal? Um, what's my man's name again? Belsi. What's his no, name again? Marcelo. Yeah, Marcelo. That's what I name Marcelo. My back. Marcelo. He, he can't understand me anyway. So <laughs> Marcelo. Anyway, um, how do you deal? How do you cope with him not speaking no English? One. That's yeah. one. And the second, I've heard his training is mad. Like on a whole nother level. Like say if he even liked the target man, he's like, B, you don't run enough. Like keep it moving. Like how is that? How is his training methods? And how is it not understanding or him not speaking no English? The, the speaking through an interpreter, it was difficult the first two or three months because obviously the lads have never experienced anything like that in all their careers. And But then after that, it was it was just the norm for us. I think you become used to it, you become accustomed to it. Obviously, training can, can be a bit longer because we have to come in and we speak and it's interpreted and we watch the, we watch how the drill's done, all the drills are done on an iPad, etc. But then it just becomes part of your training regime and, and that is it. Um, the boys don't struggle with that, the messages are always clear. And with the training, Bayo, I don't think it'll be for you, mate. These boys are doing... Six, seven K in Murderball on a Wednesday. It's uh, oh. a thousand meters high intensity. It's, it's mental, mate. Um, the drills are all done at such an intensity as well. Um, he's a big believer in 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 this amount of sprints in the game and how how quickly you can get to your your max speed. Um, we every drill is is based around that movements to free yourself and in the building up. Yeah, it's. It, it opened my eyes so much. I've learned so much from him, and I was never interested in in coaching or becoming a manager. Um, but I, I think I'd be, be naive to, to turn a, a blind eye to that. You know what I mean? In, in the coming years, I don't know what the future holds for me after football, but I think to what I've picked up from Marcelo and, and, and his staff, I'd be naive just to turn a blind eye to, to that side of the game. See, I love this because I think every football fan wants to have a manager at the, the helm of their club that is inspirational and on so many different levels. I read a lot about him, actually, because... Um, I'm just fascinated with his character and his personality. I remember when Spygate happened, it ruffled a lot of feathers and I thought it was amazing. I thought it was brilliant. I just thought it was, my favourite part about it was the way he went, okay, everyone, well, I'm going to hold a press conference and here's my PowerPoint presentation into exactly what I do and how I do it. It's like he's he's an open book because to him, that's his, his methods of working are different to other people's, but he doesn't see anything wrong with it. But it was the other stories as well that popped up, like uh, in the community, how he liked to completely embrace it and, and really engage with people. And you'd see him in like a cafe and then he'd walk to training. There was a story about how some of your teammates drove past him. They said, it's really, really pitch black. Do you want to lift? And he's like, no, no, I'm just walking. I, I just love things like that. And I think maybe as a, as a player as well. There was a story that came out, Calvin Phillips saying that he wanted to give his first England shirt to Marcelo Bielsa because of what it, that relationship meant to him. So it's like, even though on the outside, we, we look and we kind of go, well, I, his first language is in English, there's an interpreter around all the time. He still finds ways of really connecting with you guys. He does, definitely. Uh, and that just shows the human side to him. He doesn't live this lavish lifestyle. Um, he goes to his flat in, in Weatherby and he goes to Costa in the morning to do his analysis. And, and that's the way he is. He likes to keep things very simple. I think he lives in, in his Leeds United clothes. He's, I've never seen him in normal clothes, uh, things like that. You know what I mean? And, and that's the way he is. He, he lives, breathes and sleeps football. And 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 for, for a player at a club, when, you, when your manager is, is, is so obsessed, it can only work wonders for yourself. You know what I mean? We, we don't go for nothing. We go onto that pitch fully clear of how teams are going to play. And if a team does switch, we, we know exactly what we're doing there and then. And it was difficult at first, but now I, I can't imagine working in, in any other way. Um, he is an unbelievable person. And the, the, the relationship there is powerful, um, but it's respectful. It's it's give and take, and and that's one thing I'd say we've definitely improved as a team. We respect the manager, and what he says goes. But he's, we we have that relationship with him. We've shared good moments with him. Does he have bants and that? Not really, <laughs> not really. Nah. Um, he keeps himself to himself. Like I said, he, he he comes he comes to life on the training pitch. Um, that's where we see him most. He leaves us to please the dressing room. Um, and and yeah, he leaves that down to us. He says that's for us. So I, I beg, have you asked him what's the bucket? What's, what's the bucket thing? <laughs> what, like, what's don't his knees hurt? Because I look at it thinking that would wrap my career. Like 
does he say looking at the game from lower down gives him a different advantage point? I, I don't really know. Honestly, I've, I've never really asked the question. I'm not chasing about my kids when they start hitting after 10 minutes, so I don't know he does it for, <laughs> for 95 minutes. I don't know he does um, it. The book, he just came along in his first year. He was there, and, and now he's got a sponsor. He's got a cushion on it. Yeah, it's... It's had a bit of an upgrade. We've got we've got one in the office at Talksport. We've got a, a a Bielsa bucket, which is is really nice. It's blue, like Leeds blue, and we just every now and then we just sit on it. And that's what I read as well. He just likes to be at that level because he reads the game better at that level, doesn't he? Just like lower down. Okay, that's what, yeah. That's what he so likes I, that, to do. I, I, that's what I was taking yeah, from that. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, Cooch, do you feel? Listen, we all know the Leeds fan base. It's mad. <laughs> we know that. Like, funny enough is we, I was at Northampton and we must have been in League One. And our last game of the season was Leeds and we had to win to stay up. And it was a wrap. As soon as we went to Ellen Lold, the fans, I swear the fans just lost us the game. We lost 3-0. It was that mad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Is that an element? And of course, I think I know it, but it'll be hearing from you. Is that an element that you're missing? Like the fans in the Premier League this season? Yeah, 100%. And the, me and the lads talk about every single day that that moment to to, to have Ellen Road bouncing, you know what I mean? It's it's, it's such an advantage for us. Um, coming to Ellen Road, is, it, it's tough for anyone. I've, I've been with Chesterfield when I was when I was uh, before I signed, and it's it's horrible coming to Ellen Road, and it's, yeah. it's it, and, yeah. and and they are unbelievable for us, and 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 the other side as well. Like we've been we've been starved so long from from Premier League football, um, just to be going on away trips. I know the fans would be love to go in to the big stadiums that have filled that last night at Newcastle, and yeah, they're missing out big time, um, but. We go back to the pandemic. I think um, right now it's we, we've just got to stay safe and and try and stop this now because it's gone on too long. And and I think everybody just needs to to stick in together and 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 let's see the back of this. What about so so when you came into the Premier League um, and you you really hit the ground running? And one thing that the games we saw from from Leeds were it was like you you may concede a fair few but you would score a fair few and it and it became like this like shootout and to do that when you come into the premier league is impressive in its own right as well and as you've kind of steadily gone through the premier league obviously you're getting back now you're getting back to scoring against newcastle last night and and your results might be coming in the right direction what were the difficulties that you found? So hitting the ground running, like we said, and then kind of plateauing, dipping a little bit. How different is it? I always knew coming into into the league we was going to go. I always had a, a preconception that we was always going to go maybe three, four, five games without a win because because that that is how devastating that the Premier League is. And don't get me wrong, the plan is never to go gung ho and and, yeah. and you have a shot, we have a shot. That's never the plan. We we plan to attack and attack all game and stop counter attacks and and obviously it won't easy. Well, it was a little bit easier in the championship to do that because the quality is not as good. But then you step up into the big boys league and and it is difficult. We've shown it on a fair few occasions and we've shown, we've shown the bad side as well and. I don't think there's any team who works as hard as us and will continue to do so to, to be the best we can be. But the step up in quality is is a massive factor for us. And yeah, we've just got to keep improving. Uh, like I said earlier, we're improving on the job every single day. And yeah, we're, we're still learning while we're going along. A lot of these teams and players have been established in this league for so long. And yeah, we're just trying to, to earn our worth and, and prove we're worthy of playing in this league. And, and hopefully we are. Coach, you know, you talk very methodical, you talk very balanced. Have you always been this way? I mean, even if I didn't know you as a captain, I would have said, you've got a captain demeanour, you've got a captain energy. Have you always been this way since 18 when we played at Huddersfield? Or as you've, got, as you've grown, you've kind of developed into the person you are today? I think, I think I've always had some sort of those attributes. Um, I think as you develop and as you grow as a person, you find out a lot more about yourself and... I'd like to think now I'm I'm nearly 30 years old. I've I've seen a lot in the game. I've not seen everything. You're still young, man. You're still young, man. Come on, brother. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still learning myself, but um, I've been through a lot of experiences, like the, the the one of having to drop to the leagues and drop through the leagues and 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 then earn my stripes again. And yeah, I think I can pass those valuable experiences onto onto the younger players. Definitely, I think you'll find with a lot of our the players. In our team, that the, the, they've all played in the lower leagues of of, of English football and, and and worked their way up. And yeah, it's when 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 you see the the lower leagues and, and the quality what's in those leagues, 
it's never too far away, you know what I mean? Um, and and that'd be my biggest advice for for the lads playing in playing in those leagues. I always thought the Premier League was a million miles away. And uh, look at me, seven eight years on, you know what I mean? So never give up on that dream. Um, and, and and just sacrifice and work hard. What is the dream at the moment for Leeds? So obviously, I imagine staying up was first priority. And and then what do you feel like with a manager like Marcelo Bielsa? at the helm and everything he's doing what do you think you can achieve as a as a team um i don't know um you've always got to set your set your dreams high i suppose as a club we, we're ambitious obviously we've just got the the investment from the from the 49ers that that is that is a big thing and and i don't know who, who knows i know andrea's very very ambitious um and we we share, we share those ambitions and and hopefully we can establish ourselves more and more over the next few years and and see where that ends up it's, it's, it's been a great train to be on and, and long may it continue. You qualified now nah, because you're international Scotland and that. So, <laughs> so, so you qualify for that. All right, so I'm going to ask you as a player because I ain't done the international thing. I'm going to ask her. So qualifying for Euros or getting into the Premier League to you, which one was just like, yo, this is mad? Oh... <laughs> I'd probably have to say, say Leeds getting promoted. Um, getting promoted with Leeds was was probably better for me because I played a lot more of a role. You know what I mean? I, I played eight games that season and and felt felt more of a part of it. Obviously, I still feel part of the Scotland squad, but I, I didn't play in the final and and things like that. And yeah, it's, I just I just think it was more over a longer period of time as well and. To spend more time with the Leeds lads, and I see the emotions and the roller coasters we go through a lot more. And yeah, I'd probably say that the um, the promotion with with Leeds, obviously. On that topic, sitting there watching the West Brom game, what was that like? What can, what were your memories of that night? Oh yeah, we um, I, I, I didn't expect them to lose at all, and you never do. And I think fate played a part in that. Um, I just texted, messaged the lads after training. I said, lads, there's, there's a chance we can go up tonight. Like, are we going to get together? And so I spoke to to the player liaison and officer, and we sorted some out. Obviously, social distance at the club, and we didn't expect it at all. And then obviously Huddersfield go one nil up, and you're thinking there's a chance here. And honestly, my palms were sweating. I was just sat like this for the full game. Then <laughs> the equaliser, and I thought, oh, West Brom will go on now. I'm going to get in my car and get off. And and he started to edge on and, and he went, I think it was about the 85th minute, was it 88th minute when uh, Emil Smith-Rowe scored and honestly the place just erupted. It was mental. You could you could hear people outside within 10 minutes, horns going, fireworks going off, blue and yellow smoke everywhere. It was unbelievable and, and to be able to... to to do it and, and not kick a ball was was even better. Yeah, it was it was nice. Did you a little bit because you then had to play Derby and obviously the history with Derby the season before. I mean, it was it was almost perfectly scripted, really, wasn't it? That three four days after is a complete blur. Honestly, I, do you remember any of it? I can imagine. <laughs> I think I can the, imagine. the gaffer must have known because I couldn't speak. I, my throat and my voice had completely gone, and the gaffer must have just known. He said, "Coach, now you're on the bench." Like, I think he rested me and Klitsch and I think that that game the boys had gone out and they got the max the best stats they'd got all season. It, it was it was mental and it and and that's just credit to the boys. Um although we we didn't stop drinking for two or three days. We we went and obviously went one nil down and then I think did we win three one in the end or some three two and yeah, it was just we could enjoy it then. I'm I'm so glad that we got to we got it with a few games to spare. We got to enjoy the moment and really take it in and Obviously, we got the guard of honour at Derby, which was which was nice, um, and then we got to to lift the trophy um, a week later at home, obviously against Charlton after after the Charlton game. I was I was gutted for them because I've got friends who who play there. Jason Pierce plays there, and it, it, it was a, it was a tough moment. Obviously, they was they needed to win to stay up, and and the boys came out and fair play to them. We respected the competition, and we, and we went on put put on a good performance. So, which was a better party then, but I'll talk to me. The... <laughs> The, the Scotland one, listen, or the Leeds, which one was a bigger which shutdown? Do you remember the most? Oh, people want to know. I'd, I'd probably say that after the, the West Brom game, when, we, when we'd all got together, obviously I'd, I'd rang my missus and the kids, I'd spoke to them, got a bit emotional with them and then and then the night the night's still young, you know what I mean? And the boys was on the pitch spraying champagne everywhere. We had lads on shoulders and then Marcelo came. Um, everyone was going mad around him. That uh, Andrea was there, Victor Otto was there. It was it was just mad. We were just getting fed bottles, drinking everything. Yeah, it was 
it was it was some night. And then we had one with it with the wives after the derby game. I think that was we booked a booked a room out, and um, yeah, it was it was unbelievable to just because they see a lot of it as well, you know, Bayo and, and Laura that they go through a lot of it. I come home some days and. Mm. I've got to be I've got to be a dad, and and I love my kids a bits. And some days you just don't want to speak; it gets all a bit on top. But no, you you come out of it, and they ride that storm with you. And yeah, they're, they're as much to thank as as anybody else. You must experience that as well, Bo, because something you said earlier on, Liam, is that after a bad performance or something that doesn't go well, or missing out on promotion, all those kind of things, when things come to a head, it's your family that walks on eggshells for for days sometimes. And all those little things, fans, even though they support you, they probably don't think about that. What goes on behind closed doors and how much support your family give you? Yeah, I'm I'm just just a normal lad. You know what I mean? And I think people forget that um, I'm just a, a normal lad who, who's in the limelight of the Premier League. I don't live a lavish lifestyle. I, I come home. I'm, I'm the best dad I can be. I'm the best fiance I can be, and 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 that's it. Um, so yeah, we just we just happen to be in, in the spotlight, and we're, we're targets. We're we're there. We're sitting ducks. We're there to be hammered when when we don't play well or when we do make mistake. If if people didn't make mistakes, then the the world won't be what it is. You know what I mean. So no, I just try and get my head down and, and and not worry too much about what other people think of me. Yeah, listen, I'm exactly. I, look, I'm a little bit older. I'm a lot bit older than you now, Coops. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's. Uh, I think as you get older, you literally, like you said, listen, don't get too high when you win, don't get too low when you lose, and it's, it's you try and stay balanced. And listen, there's even now, you know, we lost. Uh, the other day or we've been losing in the champ and nobody likes to lose um, and there's times when my energy ain't as high as what it is but then I do walk through the door and I have been able to nine times maybe eight times out of ten when I shut the door that's football done you know what I'm saying and listen I've got five bad breeds that just jump on my head that don't even allow me to stay to stay mad sort of thing so that's where it is so as you get it it's that balance of like you said listen we're human and I think sometimes people want you to stay upset and that's the the thing I don't yeah. get you know it's you have a bad game and it's like oh why is he smiling or why and it's like look sometimes you just kind of need to get out of that bad space yeah. so a smile is a smile and Definitely. a smile's powerful but some people just think like oh you've got beat you shouldn't smile go put your head in shame and for me it's like why do you want me to be in that space I actually want to get out of that yeah, space exactly. so I can go and do better if you know what no, I mean 100% mate. I'm with you yeah, definitely. I hope you don't mind, but I want to take you back a little bit because we want to cover other bits in more detail if it's all right. I feel like I can take you back to this point because now you've been promoted, it's probably easier to talk about like the difficult times. But that playoff semi-final against Derby, how difficult was that to take? What were the emotions after it for a while? I don't know. Like you said, it's so much easier to talk about now. Um, now, now we've managed to, to get over the line, but yeah, just... Just upset, pain. Just I don't know. It was the strangest, strangest game ever. We we go one nil up to go two nil up on aggregate, and and then there was there was the incident between me and Kiko right before half time, and it's just not what we needed. Um, two senior players doing making that mistake at at such an important part of the time of the game. Yeah, and then from there it just seemed to carry on and a domino effect, and things was happening. Strange things was happening. It's just one of them things, and. After it, it's tough. God, the boys was in tears. It was it was such a big thing. There was been there was so much emotion around it from the outside world to, to us, and I think we was just so inexperienced at, at dealing with it. I think we got carried away way too early when when we shouldn't have because Norwich and and Sheffield United was flying as well. I don't think I don't think Chef, I think Sheffield United lost one game at the last eight or nine or something like that and they was flying and they'd always be playing before us and they'd be winning and then the pressure would just switch straight to us and it's just we was constantly playing last and it got to us in the end it got the better of us I don't feel ashamed to admit that but it definitely gave us a lot more going forward the year after and yeah I think we came back obviously the year after got beat by Cardiff after the lockdown and you think oh is it happening again here we go but now we turned it round, we stuck at it and we managed to get the job done. But it was it it was it was not a nice, nice period of my life that, especially that first three weeks. I bet the family hated me. Do you turn around when, when stuff like that happens and have the summer to forget about football or do you go straight back into working on yourself? What happens for you? I I literally did nothing 
that, that that first three weeks, I, I was I was gutted. Um, but like I said, it comes to a point when you think, come on, pull yourself together. Now it's gone. It's, these things happen. It's football. Good support network. Uh, the kids and my my mum and dad and brother and family and the missus. It's yeah. When you've got good people around you, you seem to be able to deal with it a lot better. And I'd like to see myself as a bit more experienced and I managed to, to come round. Um, you speak to the lads in the chat and, yeah, we go again. And I think once we found out we was, we was going to have another go and, and Marcelo was staying on, it, it just you just want to go and, and prove people wrong and, and, and get what you deserve. And, and we managed to do that. Um, like I said, a lot of sacrifice and hard work and long days, but it's all worth it in the end. You do put it on yourself because I remember we got to the playoff final with Swansea. Yeah. And went to to get to the champ. And this is like fifteen years ago, and I missed, I missed a penny. And anyway, we lost it. And I'd, it's funny because I'd booked to fly out the day afterwards. And what people don't understand that some of that week I was in, I think I flew to Miami. And of course, I had my brothers, and they're like, oh, "Listen, don't worry, rah rah." Yeah. And when you're with people, you're fine. And in that moment when it's silent, you're just playing it over and over and over again in in your mind, and it's such a difficult. But then, like exactly where you say, you get to a point where you're like, "Listen, I can't dwell yeah. here. I yeah, can't stand definitely. still, man." It's like I've got to get up and go. So, was you lot favourites? Were you favourites when you played Derby? In the semi, were you like favourites? Where it's like, yeah, Leeds are going to go and do that. Is that what? Yeah, it was? we was one 0 up from the first leg, um, and obviously we've we've got the the home tie second leg. We go one 0 up after fifteen twenty minutes, and then um, just a nothing ball in the in the last minute of the first half, and I'm running backwards, keepers running forwards. I've got made a decision to try and clear it, and it's obviously gone between us both. No, none of us have made contact, and I've tapped it in, and then. They can smell blood then, you know what I mean? And and, and it changes, momentum changes and, and that's what happened. And yeah, it's you look back on it now and Leeds brought the documentary out and I, could, I couldn't watch that last episode. Um, and I said to the boys, I'm going to watch it when I've been promoted. Well, thank God I've, I've, I've got to watch it now and I can look back and, and smile and, 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 and say to myself, we did it in the end, you know what I mean? Was Marcelo Bielsa always going to stay for another season or did you guys do anything to convince him? Did any of you send him a message and say, please, Gaffer, let you know, come back? No, we, we had a meeting the day after, um, after the, the upset in the, in the semi-final and I think his staff was, was a bit upset. Um, I think they maybe thought he, he was going to leave. You go through so much together, even the staff, they feel our pain and and we felt their pain and we'd built up, not just with Marcelo, but built up, you build up a lot of trust and a lot of emotions with his background staff who have been with him a long time, but you get friendly with them, you get to know them. And yeah, you sort of got the feeling that that was maybe the end. And then obviously we had the meeting and I think Marcelo has seen the, the fight and, and the pain we, we had and we suffered. And maybe that did spare him to go again. And hopefully we did because um, he did in the end. And, yeah, we, we, we've not looked back. Um, we went, we started the season well. Had our little blip like we usually do in November, December, and then finished the season strong. So now we got that fairy tale ending. You obviously get criticised a bit for this blip. You know, the the kind of the the drop that people associate with Marcelo Bielsa's teams. Did it feel different in that season when you were like, we're not going to do it this season because we've just we've got all the way to play for semi-finals. We've got all that experience under our belt. We know what not to do now. It wasn't an option. I love that. You try not to doubt yourself. Those doubts can can creep in every now and again, and you've just got to bat them off and get rid of them. Um, but like you said, we we give ourselves a lot of experiences the season before. Um, we know how to deal with the, with the title challenge. And in the in the lockdown, I think I was hearing speaking to other lads at other teams, and they were saying, "Oh, we, we've been off for two or three weeks." And I'm not joking. We didn't stop the sessions. We was getting sent through. I was just pounding the roads, pounding the local field. It was, it was it, honestly, we didn't stop, but all I kept saying to myself, and as did the other lads, this gets you promoted, this gets you up, and, and we came back and we was fit and we was flying, and, and, and yeah, we, we managed to get it done. I love that. Yeah, I've, 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 for me, I think that's wicked. I'm not going to lie to you, like, I wasn't doing that in lockdown. <laughs> not playing, but no, that's <laughs> wicked. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Throwing them 50s about, All right, so listen, I, I would say, like, in different parts of your career different managers do different things for you but where you are now who would you say the best manager is oh Marcelo 100% he made me realise the condition I, do, I need to be in to play at my best I'd probably say I'm coming into the peak of my career now 
Yeah. And I've never felt so more, more confident going onto a pitch now than I ever have in my career. I made my debut in the Premier League when I was 18 and I felt so far off it, it was it was unbelievable. I, I felt like a, like a little kid who had just been thrown in at the deep and that's how I felt. And to get there all them years later, to have the confidence to going into games thinking, yeah, I do, I do belong here, I can do a job here, that... The self-worth is is worth every bit of it. So obviously it will be a different summer, a weird summer, but also an exciting summer because the Euros are happening. Scotland have qualified. I mean, I think a lot of people in England are really actually quite buzzing about that as well, considering the group they're going to go into. What are the expectations among the, the Scotland players, your teammates? We know what the expectation is around the fan base, but how much are you looking forward to it and how far do you think you can go? I can't wait. Um, when you're young and all you dream of is playing at these major tournaments and obviously I... You say never, you never know, but I wasn't good enough to get in the England setup. I never represented England at the early ages. And and uh, my dad's late father was was born in Scotland and that's how I qualified to, to play for Scotland. As you can tell, my, my accent's not, not very Scottish. <laughs> but, you know, um, at the start, when, you, when you're in and out of squads, it's hard to get to know the boys. I've been in the, in, in the, in the, in the international setup now for maybe 18 months, two years, like properly. And yeah, the lads are great, um, a great set of lads. And, a great togetherness, the best since I've been there, and um, I think we went nine, ten games unbeaten, which is which is some going, and yeah, it, it was really good. And then to be part of the the semi final winning team at, at Hamden when we beat Israel on penalties was was amazing, and yeah, to to, to then qualify and, and and beat Serbia on on their own patches was unbelievable, and to see you're going to go represent your country at, at the Euros is is out of this world, and then to top that off, you. You're playing against England at Wembley. It's, it don't get any better. One of the biggest rivalries in, in international football. And yeah, just excitement. I don't know if there's going to be fans, if there isn't going to be fans, but obviously we, we all want the fans in. Um, I think I'll be the only player ever to to get promoted out the Championship with no fans and, and go to a Euros with no fans. Um, so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we get some fans at the Euros. <laughs> It has been an incredible year for you, really, hasn't it? For so many different reasons um, and one that I imagine you're never, ever going to forget. Um, good luck for the rest of the season. Good luck as well at the Euros. And um, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. No, thanks, guys. That was amazing. Um, thanks, thanks for having me on and hopefully we can do it again soon. Absolutely. Blessings. You take care. All the best. I absolutely love chatting to him. I could have listened to him all day, actually, by quite a nice, like, calm manner, isn't he? Yeah, he's very, he's methodical, isn't it? You know, he's, yeah. he's very methodical in, in, in how his, his whole demeanour is. And I always love stories. Like, I couldn't remember playing against him, but yeah, man, when he was a pop and that. No, he's a cool guy, man. Cool guy. It makes me want to go for a run. Do you know what I mean? Not me. Not me. <laughs> You're on your own about that one. Not me. Jeez. When he was like, lockdown, we spent all this time. I was like, wow, I learned how to make banana bread in lockdown. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was making daiquiris and that. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had our dac off yet, have we? Oh, no, we got to have that. Like, don't run scared and that. You see, you try to forget that. Like, we're going to have to have that. You get me? Okay, that is it. Our thanks to Liam Cooper, an amazing guest yet again on our podcast. Love chatting to him, by Yeah, man, Coops is good people, you know. I like him, man. Do you know what I'm saying? Solid. So I wish him all the success. Absolutely. Only not when he plays Liverpool, though. <laughs> you know them ones. <laughs> All right, remember to get involved, people, on Twitter. Follow us at Super6 and use the hashtag Super6Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to make sure the podcast downloads automatically each week. And that is it from us. We'll see you again next week. Take care. Take care, people. Peace. <laughs>